I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. Welcome back to Pilots. We are reviewing Patriot, which was originally, you could originally watch it on where? (laughs) (laughs) This is an Amazon Prime original. It's an Amazon Prime original? It is. One more reason for you to sign up for this service. No wonder there were so many F words. I didn't know where it came from originally. (laughs) What year was it? Because it said 2012 in there somewhere, but I guess it could have been, could have taken place a couple years back. That is a fine question. All right. She's looking that up. So this is a a pilot's first because we reviewed uh, Patriot because it came as a recommendation from Jeremy F. We're calling him just to protect his identity. So Jeremy F. That's his knock, his NOC, <laughs> which is the uh, the definition that begins the show. There's a title card on the screen when you start watching it. And what does it say, Shmi? Sure. It says knock NOC is non-official cover and it tells you it's pronounced knock and it goes on to say intelligence work conducted under the assumed identity of a private sector employment, so oil companies, construction firms, etc., with limited governmental protection. Which is the plot of the show. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's basically hey, this is kind of an alias sort of situation. Right. Um if you've seen the TV show Alias, which Riker here is not, but mm-hmm. I was a huge fan. Uh it doesn't have much rewatch value though, so maybe a one and done for that one. But um it's really great because, you know, they pose as, you know, a banking firm in that one. Um What so doesn't have a lot of rewatch value? Uh, it's possibly because I've tried to introduce a lot of people and they aren't super interested guys don't seem to be super interested and so i've seen the first uh, five episodes like a million times so when i tried to rewatch it i started with the first five i'm like mm, yeah i think i'm over it is it because uh we're all mad at jj abrams and all that horrible stuff that he did i'm not mad at jj abrams <laughs> i'm actually i think he does fringe and i've been meaning to watch that so i have no hate towards jj abrams that's well, just you a haven't seen fringe yet that is not just a me thing <laughs> That is not just a me thing. First of all, that's every Trekkie everywhere. And that's Uh every, except for the ones that are going to write me hate mail now, which please do. We still have no hate mail that I'm aware of. Pilots the podcast at (laughs) gmail.com. And if you'd like to hear all of our other pilots podcasts, you can find them at pilotsthepodcast.com. So, uh, (laughs) but what was the email? It was pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. Cool. Uh, All right. (laughs) <laughs> so I don't remember if I finished saying it, but Jeremy F recommended this show to us on Facebook. Uh, and we said, heck yeah, let's do it. So if anybody else has any recommendations, throw them out there because you never know. <laughs> Neither do we, because we don't know what your recommendations are yet. Um, a couple Skinamax originals I haven't gotten around to seeing yet. Somebody could recommend some of those. Just kidding. Okay. So. What is that? I'm not familiar. It sounds <laughs> uh, like a, a porn thing. Will know. Yeah, okay. it's kind of a porn thing. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I met like, a girl when I was in Los Angeles uh, who I was doing background work on some TV show that nobody will ever see. Sure. I think. I don't know. Maybe we've seen it. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it's probably because <laughs> nobody's seen it. And uh, we were sitting around by the pool on some rooftop in downtown Los Angeles. And this girl says, oh, my agent can't find out that I'm doing background work in between seasons of my show. And I was like, you have a show and you're still doing background work? Turns out it was a Skinamax show, which was Cinemax After Hours. That's mm-hmm. when things get mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just met one of those girls and she's just some girl who had some 
non-union acting job who in the meantime <laughs> still needed to hustle and then wasn't allowed to take crappier jobs because it was going to ruin her Skinamax career. Weird. Today I learned. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, so, uh, what do we think? Let's start, b- as we always do, except for the times that we don't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, saying always with our show. <laughs> yeah, that's always true, except for all the times it's not. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, we will review among the four categories that we judge, genre. Does the pilot clearly establish the genre? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it, I mean, unfortunately, they don't do it in a way that I'm happy with, but it is effective. The, it tells me it's going to be an alias type situation. We're posing as something we're not, um, but it's a CIA type thing. Like from the screen, I immediately know. Now, do I think it's something I enjoyed as far as how I'm introduced to it? I would, that's a definite no. I, I do You're not talking like about the word, the title. Yeah, because it's just it starts as, you know, the beginning of Star Wars, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. a long time ago. This feels like this where you have to read before you get to the good stuff. And I just don't want to have to read like narrate it. Give me this exposition in some other way. If we were not uh, professional <laughs> <laughs> uh, TV show reviewers. <laughs> I don't know why you always find that so hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if we weren't professionals at this, we are among the foremost expert pilot podcaster reviewers in the world, sure. uh, then I wouldn't have read that at all. I just would have been on and I would have looked at it for a second and just saw words on a page. Like, yeah, I'm not reading that. Um and we did. We read it, and mm-hmm. I read it three times just to make sure I was getting it. Uh, and I don't. I still like. If you just read it casually, I just would have perused it. So I, I didn't think giving us the definition of knock, in OC for a show called Patriot, for which I still have no point of relationship on knock, and didn't for about fifteen minutes, which they use the term one time, and it's when his dad, whatever his role is, as the you know. Yeah, central some, intelligence some, guy in charge. Higher guy. up guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when Tom he says, is the dad's name. Tom Tavner, mm-hmm. who's played, oh, another J.J. Abrams and alias uh, correlation. He was in Lost. He was the doctor. Do we know his name? The actor? Yeah, Terry O'Quinn. Okay. Cantor Wally. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <Terry. laughs> All right, that was just for us. Uh, Terry <laughs> O'Quinn, I think, because I wrote it down here. Terry O'Quinn still. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, more on him in a second. Sure. Um, but it h- takes a while before we even hear Knock. And then we start the show. And I think it was the first scene. Mm-hmm. It opens up kind of in the middle. And then we go back to this. And we don't have a point of relation where this is happening quite yet. Mm-hmm. But he's on a job interview. This is our main character, John Tavner, played by Michael Dorman. He's on a job interview uh, that didn't go great. Like, it went okay. He was 10 minutes late. Didn't go great. Uh, and he's listening to Red Foreman, <laughs> whose name in this is Leslie. Um, <laughs> Red Foreman from that 70s show. Who at some point in this show says, son. And I thought, oh, when Red Foreman calls you son. Yeah, no You're kidding. about to get your ass whooped. 
your ass chewed. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> actor actually. Um, I wrote it down because I do love him. Kurtwood Smith is Kurtwood. Red Foreman. <laughs> that guy's <laughs> a classic. He really is. He absolutely is. He's probably the best part of that 70s show, honestly. Oh, but every time he shows up since that 70s show really made him famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time he shows up, and you know, you see him in things over the years that you never realized he was in for, you know, he had a career, oh, yeah. a, a long career before that 70s show. And every time you see him, especially if it's something pre-70s show, you go, oh, look who it is. It's Red Foreman. Yeah, absolutely. Occasionally I remember his name and I go, oh, Kurt well there, it's Kurtwood. <laughs> <laughs> I could never remember his last name. That's ludicrous. Smith, you say. <laughs> Smith? <laughs> the most generic S-M- last name, yeah. sometimes Y-T-H? Smythe. <laughs> Smythe. Um, anyway, <laughs> we open on the interview. It goes okay. And then they're saying, well, what about that Stephen Chu kid? We really like Stephen Chu. Uh, and we meet Stephen Chu a few minutes later. And he's leaving the premises of... McMillan. McMillan piping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're leaving there. And uh, Chu, Stephen Chu, seems like a real fun guy. Seems like a real self-deprecating kind of little lovable goofball kind of character. Yeah. And he says, hey, so you like this job? You think you're going to take it? He goes, you know, I have so many other offers, but this is really a, nucle- a uniquely good opportunity. He's like, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. Mm-hmm. And then shoves him in front of a... A truck. Yeah, John shoves them in the street. And it was very startling. Like, I did not expect that to be the case. I kind of at first was thinking that they were going to be buddies of, you know, that maybe he was going to help him out with one of his other jobs. (laughs) No, (laughs) you know, help him out in some way because it really seemed like, um, I don't know, they just kind of had a buddy vibe to them. They introduced a new character that uh, was engaging enough and that chemistry in their scene was, was. Good enough that you thought we were going to be introducing a new character, that something was going to happen here? Yeah. Or I don't, maybe shouldn't tell you what you were thinking. I could see what you're saying because that's kind of what I was thinking too. And then boom, gets hit by a bus. Absolutely. Uh, it was like a mail truck. I can't remember what it was. And it's it was it was somewhat hilarious, but I don't know if it was supposed to be funny at this point. It was shocking. Oh, it was shocking. It was really <laughs> startling. And then there were just this sort of confluence of emotions that were in competition with each other. It's like, I don't know if I should laugh or well, jump or so I don't I know think, what's going on yet. I think the comedy of it was that, well, John had just done so poorly at the interview. Like he just, he clearly did not know what he was doing at all, which is funny because it comes immediately after getting the you know, the definition of knock. And so he's supposed to be posing in this oil company thing. He is in no way qualified to be a, what is it, a process engineer? Right. In no way qualified to do it. So he's really trying to fake his way through it and is doing so very unsuccessfully. So then to hear the other guy just be like, oh, I've got a bunch of other offers. He was like, fuck you, push you in front of the the mail truck. The preferred guy, Mm -hmm. because this major company only has two possible choices. One of them's exceptionally well qualified and, and likable, and the other one is a knock. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now that's our opening scene, and in a in a weird way to me, I don't know if that was our opening scene. I think that was our opener, right? Yeah, that was I mean, our, our opening, opening scene. right? Because there was the I guess it was technically the second scene, but that's the yeah. first thing we're getting of the show. Absolutely, first character interactions. Um, in, in a way. The, the hook for me came early, and it was that moment where it was, which I think is a controversial thing to say in the world of pilot podcasting reviews. <laughs> 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 um, 
<laughs> I think that that was that was sort of the hook where where to me the pilot was a mess. I mean, there's some things that were engaging to me, but Definitely. I thought it was messy. And uh, but that moment and the weird tone of the show, which was sort of hilarious, sort of deeply serious. Um, you know, the scene that we had with the, I mean, the scene, like the most notable scene, what's the word? Folk singing. When he's... uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, when he does his... So we find out from his dad in a scene a couple beats later. See, here's the problem that I had with it. Mm -hmm. Five minutes into the show, we paused it, and I thought, okay, I still don't know what the show's about. Like, honestly, I have no idea what it's about. I don't know what the characters are that we're supposed to be paying attention to. The thing that finally gave me an idea of what was going on. First of all, first thing mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting was when Terry O'Quinn, the dad, who it's, we don't necessarily know who he's, who's dad and who's the son at this point. It becomes clear pretty soon after that, but yeah, it wasn't a secret, but this is how we get introduced to the dad. Yeah. He says, Oh yeah, my son, he's, uh, he's making, he's performing folk songs under a fake name. It helps him deal with his emotions, but he's a secret agent. Yeah, he's a little too honest, too, yeah, is what he says, right. which is great, but not in the line of intelligence. Right. Uh, and he says, I don't know. And I thought he was going to make fun of him. Like, I, I keep yeah. thinking there's a punchline. That's why the tone of the show is so weird. I keep waiting for a punchline. And he says, but, you know, he's pretty good, actually. He said, maybe I'm his dad, so maybe I'm biased. And we find out throughout the show he's a very proud dad. They have a good mm-hmm. relationship. It's a little weird because he works for him in intelligence and he sends him into precarious situations. But he's genuinely proud of him. And that leads to, it, it probably will have more to say on that, but that leads to the scene that finally I felt like clued us in on what's going on in the show, which was when he sings the folk song that sort of establishes how he got here. Absolutely. It was really good. Which, you pull it up, I think it actually mm-hmm. would be worth it to read it. All In its entirety? I'm happy Hells, to do it. why not? Sing it, in <laughs> fact. Even sing it. Yeah, that's not happening. So it says, uh, in June 2011, the United States learned the, uh, sorry, learned Iranian president, uh, Mahmoud something last name, uh, was, was <laughs> thank you, mm-hmm. <laughs> was fucking around with new centrifuges. Um, Egyptian physicist, Mohammed... Waja El Mashad was hired to produce the catalyzed uranium, or I was tasked to shoot Mashad while he was on vacation to keep Iran from activating short-range nuclear weapons to destroy Israel. I got some really bad intelligence, shot an old male hotel maid who was just making the physicist's bed, and my evacuation team parked on the wrong street. I was arrested by the Secret King's police. I got a fair dose of white torture, which is supposed to completely erase your sense of self. I'm showing several signs of increasing mental instability. Talking to my wife would be dot, dot, dot. Well, that would be awfully nice. You can't go back to the U.S. after you target a guy on their behalf and some genius parked me in Amsterdam. I've been getting baked just looking up at birds Wondering why there aren't male hotel maids in other countries. You never see that. You never see that. Never see that. Did he say why there are hotel maids in other male hotel maids in other why countries? Why there aren't. Wondering okay. why there aren't male hotel maids in other countries. So they he sings that song mm-hmm. and it was like good. Like he's it was good. really good. The tune's good. It's a pleasure to listen to. Oh, absolutely. It's it was humorous. Super funny. So funny. My delivery is a little dry. I apologize. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I think it doesn't it really rhyme. rhyme when you do it. But <laughs> I know. I feel like he had it rhyming, and I was like, I remember this rhyming. Well, I you refused to ago. sing it. 
But hey, nobody wants to hear that. That's a different show. Everybody <laughs> wanted to hear it. We don't monetize this, so <laughs> everybody wanted to hear it. Okay, guys, okay. I'll start a Patreon if you want me to sing, and once it reaches a thousand dollars, I'll do it. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get it. <laughs> Write us some hate mail and tell us that you would like to hear me sing. You have a you you work under a pseudonym. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to sing. <laughs> this will never come up again. So that finally, not finally necessarily. Yeah, to me, it felt like, okay, finally a little clarity on what's going on here. Yeah, and the, it gives you context for who John is, because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know. And why he's this way. Mm-hmm. Because, And that's where the weird tone comes from. Like, is the show funny? Does it seem funny because he seems off? Because he's actually dealing with... I think it has a dry humor to it. Like, I oh, really do think it's, it's supposed to be. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. But, but is the... You know, you look at the title of the show, Patriot. You look at the subject matter. Here is a guy, like, a, like an actual, an actual um, you know, special forces, secret Better. ops guy yeah. operating on behalf of the United States and dealing with some stuff. So there's an element to it that's like, I don't know, like, are, are we, like, I'm laughing with it, but are, are we exploring, like, who came up with the story? Is it, uh, is it, te- is it giving us a glimpse on, on a segment of uh, America and a certain type of man, or is it just a story? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, the brother's hilarious. Uh, some of the stuff with the dad's very funny, which brings me to what to me the genre is sure because it's not in you know with the definition to me it's not in the definition knock it's that's an incidental piece of it yeah it tells us what we're here for more so it's a family secret agent show mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah definitely yeah the brother's in it too yeah the attache, the attache. <laughs> so you have the brother uh who i recognize him from a show on netflix called easy uh, oh, is he in is that? A, I didn't yeah, remember that. Which is a show. It's a word that I can never remember. Uh, allegorical. It's an al- no. It's uh, one of those shows where each episode's about a different thing, like the Twilight Zone. It's always different characters. Oh, I know. Th- Why are in that? <laughs> <laughs> anthology. Anthology. It's an anthology. Beat you. <laughs> You're making faces at me. I tried. <laughs> I'm never playing card games. I was with mouthing you. <laughs> it to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, he's a very funny guy. I like him. Um, and he was so funny in this. He's a congressman, although you'd never suspect that he could really pull that yeah, off. Yeah, I missed that, apparently. He and does he, not seem like what I would expect for a congressman. He is much too dopey, for sure. Oh, well, he's a moron. He's exactly what I'd expect from a congressman. <laughs> <laughs> for all of our congressman <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, all 450 of them. <laughs> Yeah, I could deal with it. So, <laughs> anyway, we're drifting into characters. He's definitely, I think he's the funniest part of the show. But oh, they'll, yeah. they'll give you something very serious, like when he, when he, well, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu brothers all show up in their underwear. Their barra or barra? Barros. Barros, thank yeah. you. I'm glad you wrote it down. The Barros brothers. The Barros brothers. Uh, and they shall show up in their underwear, and I thought, this is super weird, and they take them down to steal the thing that we'll get to. See, it's all over the place, because the show's kind of all over the place. See, I kind of, I, I mostly followed that, and it was especially funny because that was, you know, you could tell something like that was coming because uh, John was on the phone with a guy named Ron, who we never see, but he's the other end of the phone, and 
he's like, hey, give me the address, Ron. And he's like, well, this guy, he lives with, you know, he has five brothers. He's like, I don't care. I don't need his biography. You know, just give me the address. And he's like, well, so the, the five brothers, they live with them. And given the area they're living in, like, they probably all know jujitsu. Like, it's very likely, you know, the fighting <laughs> style, the Brazilian fighting style. So... You know, he's just like, shut and they the fu- super do. Yeah. And he, he's like, shut the fuck up, Ron. <laughs> just give me the address. <laughs> uh, and then he goes to a place that at the time, see, at the time we're watching it, I feel like everything that's happening right in front of us is, mm-hmm. is like, okay, I'm not exactly sure where this is going. Like, yeah. Not exactly sure where we're at. Um, so anyway, let me dial back. I'm sorry. The, uh, the genre is a family secret agent show. And they're in D.C. You know, yeah. they're they're doing the actual work of uh, the United DC? States government. Yeah, the dad lives in D.C. Okay, when his brother was there with his with his estranged secret son. Okay, because they go to Milwaukee, so I wasn't sure if they were in Milwaukee or yeah, they traveled to Milwaukee. I read it aloud, Washington D.C. He's a congressman, and I said that to kind of plant the idea in your head, but you you missed it. Yeah, the seed. Did not germinate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's how I remember. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you did. That's why there are two of us. <laughs> so they do the legitimate business of the United States government. Mm-hmm. The dad sends his son, who's like a superhero secret agent, although it a little bit doesn't seem like that. He seems pretty rough around the edges in the way he tackles like the mission. But then again, he's on his own. I mean, he's he's a knock. He's a... What did it mean? Non, non-official. It's a non-official cover. So there's, you know, he really needs to go get the job and go do this stuff and just figure it out on yeah. his own. So maybe there is a, uh, maybe that's very realistic. Maybe the element of improvisation is is something that he's really dealing with. I thought it was a bit ridiculous that it was a family affair, that the dad is running the organization. He sends his son and then he sends his his other son, who's As an a congressman, to be his attaché, even though... Certainly has Congress work to be doing. Well, I, probably not. I mean, he's a congressman. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> go bloviate over here, go bloviate over there. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was pretty ridiculous that it was a family affair. Uh, however... That's what the show's about. Sure. And they did it with a lot of affection. You know, when the when the dad's watching the old family videos, very funny scene. Oh, yeah. That was I darling. mean, very, yeah, very, like, charming scene. Which was actually in the intro. All of the, mm-hmm. we saw the opening, well, the introduction, the theme, whatever, in the pilot episode. And it's just kind of a montage of he and his brother growing up. And I tried to get context for it because, you know, I I had no idea who these people were at this point. Right. And it looked like, you know, just people growing up in America. Well, it's, you know, very much, it seems a Texan experience. They're riding dirt bikes. They're going to the rodeo. So it kind of gives you a background for who they are. And in this specific recording that they're doing, um, that you were speaking of, um, (laughs) they were at what? Bull riding? Doing something along those lines? Doing something wild and, and unsafe they shouldn't have been. Sure. And they break the camera. (laughs) <laughs> the dad's watching it by himself just mm-hmm. you know late at night just watching old home videos that yeah. were just around and and uh chuckling at the kids breaking the camera and they said let's just tell dad that grandma did it Mima. Mima. yeah we'll tell dad Mima did it that must be a texan thing Mima. must be regional i think southern in i was general. gonna say i think southern yeah. Um, well, I say Texan because um, that's what Sheldon Cooper in Big Bang oh. Theory calls his grandma, his Mima, and he's Texan. Okay. 
Uh, all of our Texan yeah, listeners, please right. let us know. <laughs> yes. All like 18 million of you. Um, <laughs> a lot of people in Texas. I was like, is that an actual? <laughs> well, California is like 36 million. Oh. So yeah, I don't know. 20 million. <laughs> a lot of Texans. Well, they're probably not all listening, but you know, <laughs> good vast majority of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they say, well, we'll tell Mima. Tell him that Mima broke it. Later, the dad is sitting on the porch with the other son. So there's Edward. John and there's Edward. Edward's the congressman. Ed's the goofy one. Uh, and he says, hey, Edward, did Mima really break? Did my 92-year-old mother really break my Sony CVX camera? Yes, absolutely, she did. And it was funny because it was almost like it was almost like uh, he appreciated, or here's how I took it, that he appreciated that his, the, the pact between his sons into their, you know, 30s remains a pact. Like, nope, we lied to dad, said Mima did it. He knows that's bullshit. He knows it's ridiculous on every level, but the, the lie that they agreed upon at like nine and 10 years old, yeah, they still have. Because later in the show, so to me, the, this is the whole theme of the show is the family aspect. When he says, hey, are you going to be able to help out with John? And Edward says, which again makes no sense to me that that Edward's the attache mm-hmm. who goes on the secret missions to retrieve John and keep track of him. Yeah, that makes no sense to no, me as well. No practical sense at all. Uh, but he said, which is to me why that's really what the fundamental, the unique genre point of the show. Yeah, exactly. That's what the genre of the show is. Because uh, he says to agree. him, are you going to do this? Can I count on you? That was it. Can I count on you? And he says, absolutely, you can count on me. He says, for John? Oh, absolutely. He says, well, why do you say it like that? He goes, because he's family? He goes, that word's very important to me. As his son scoots through with his broken feet and broken ankle. <laughs> a few, you know, the interrupts that scene, who we find out in the next scene is his son. Yeah. Um, so it's just a family scene right there. There's three generations of these men. Tavners. Yeah, Tavners. And he says, family's a really important word to me because everything else is bullshit. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, So, I, you know, that's as ridiculous as it is is in concept, I think. I mean, I'm not a, you know, secret agent. But uh, I don't know. Uh, As ridiculous as it is to me in concept that they are a loosely secret agent, not official secret agent family. That's what the show's about. And that was pretty cool. Like that was just a unique thing. And, and I guess that was the heart of the show and it was very much present in this episode. And I thought it was played so well by Terry O'Quinn. I thought it was played so, so affectionately by him in that first scene when he's talking to secretary, what's her name? Cause you erased her card. Cause she never came up again. Oh man, <laughs> I erased it. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> Wilma, secretary Wilma. I can still read it. Secretary Wilma dot, 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 because Amazon prime cut off her last night. Yeah. Yeah. So secretary Wilma, when he's saying to her, you know, he, this was my, uh, my son was, he's making music. Oh, we find out that the dad's also a guitar player, also a folk singer. So this actually runs in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was he plays it with such affection that you really feel like he really loves these boys. It's really like they're really close. He's really proud of them, and that was cool. Yeah, 
I, I didn't anything? have anything to add. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing to add. <laughs> so <laughs> in any event, I thought that the genre, as we score the genre, I don't, how do, what would you score it? Oh, I'd give it a pass. Like by the end of the episode, like I'm not, I feel like you often pause and try to see at what point they sold you on it. And it's like, we made it all the way through the pilot episode. It doesn't matter what mark or what order it was. I feel by the end of it, I can expect that it's going to be, I mean, he's, John's a little bit of a fuck up, like not in the, (laughs) and he doesn't take himself too seriously or sometimes even the job too seriously. It's got the family charm. Like, I feel like we're getting kind of the Texan approach to, uh, (laughs) you know, the Texan family approach to to intelligence work. To dealing with stuff. Yeah. When he says he's smoking, what did he say? Getting baked all day? Getting baked all day. Yeah. Oh, which is why he needs to get that guy to pee in the cup for him. Absolutely. Yes. That he that he scoots up to at the urinals. Yes. This is actually the scene that made me decide to do it. So when you first said, or when we first had the recommendation, Patriot, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, cr- cringed away from it a little bit. I was like, mm, I just, I don't like where this could go like I just don't want it to be too serious I'm not interested in something that's too serious like I'm still it's still 2020 and I don't need anything too serious right now um (laughs) we're almost through it but uh yeah so I watched the trailer and that scene was in the trailer um where he scoots up next to the guy and he goes hey (laughs) and you texted me and said okay let's do Patriot it seems amusing absolutely so uh in the scene the guy basically says hey you know I need to pass this drug test, basically. Um, What does he say? He says, I'm not going to pass this urine test, so I'm going to need your pee. Not just me. The country needs your pee. And the guy, you know, Dennis, we later find is his name. Uh, Actually, he introduces himself there. Um, He goes, oh, the country needs my pee? Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's very excited to serve his country in that way. The USA needs my pee? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I thought, no way he's falling for this shit. No way. (laughs) And he's all in. Oh, yeah. No, I was really excited about it. That's how I knew that this was going to be a show that I might be interested in. (laughs) So I wouldn't say I I do take an interest Mm -hmm. anecdotally on the time code of uh, when the genre becomes clear to me. Sure. I like it when, you know, before the trailer, I know what we're expecting. Yeah, I'm sorry. Before the intro, I know what we're expecting. Um, and obviously there are exceptions to everything. And in this case, I would think there are artistic exceptions mostly where you want to drag it out. You want it to be a slow burn before it becomes clear. Yeah. It's a 50 minute episode. They really are going for the slow burn. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't know. I I just didn't know if it was an artistic choice or if I just didn't find it that clear because they gave us words on the screen. Sure. You know what I kind of, the way I was seeing it was, I felt like the producer of the, the show or the, the originator of the show um, is a maybe a specific kind of storyteller with a specific sense of humor that mm-hmm. has a, a, a specific story he wants to tell. And that if I were to keep watching for several episodes, I would be saying... Give it a couple episodes. This show's awesome. Now, this show's unique because it's one. This is the first one we've done mm-hmm. that neither of us have seen. Yeah, normally I at least try to binge, you know, a right? season. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, neither of us have seen any of it. And we yeah. watched this for the first time with each other. So we're not positive if this is a, you got to kind of give it a couple of episodes. 
well, I guess that presumes my scoring, which I'm still not set on yet because we haven't discussed it. But uh, <laughs> I haven't thought it all through. But I was just, you know, I, I didn't get the sense that there was an artistic slow burn of here's what the show is that you're watching. Here's what to expect. Sure. They gave us knock without very much understanding of what knock meant. I don't know why they couldn't have told us that in dialogue within the show. Um, because they give it you a title card kind of explaining what you're about to see, which mm-hmm. has no context for me for another 20 minutes. Sure. So by the end... I think it immediately has context for the first scene, though. So he oh, immediately flops that interview. Like, he does terribly in it. And, and we think kills a guy. Oh, yeah, we thought he killed a guy. But no, that's it's important specifically because he just flops in that interview. And it's a pretty prestigious. I mean, I'm I'm no process engineer, but I imagine one of those is, you know, a pretty intense title like that. You are fairly knowledgeable in your field and you understand all of the processes, perhaps. <laughs> and when they ran him through some example scenarios, he did not know. So. The, t- the screen preceding it absolutely did inform to me why he didn't and why he flopped in that interview. Kay. So it was odd, um, but I don't feel like it was completely useless. I would have preferred it in a different way, but I think that my deal is I really don't like reading the screen, uh, which is funny because I always do closed captioning, but I really don't like reading the screen for, you know, any sort of exposition. Like, I hate it. I do, too. Um and forever, like I, I can think of older movies, like old B movies that occasionally start with a, a line that you couldn't, as a kid, you couldn't read it. You couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. Mom, dad, can you read that for yeah. me? And my basically dad, this. And my dad would read like this. Yeah. Okay. So basically what they're saying is, yeah, mm-hmm. Highlanders live forever or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And in Highlander 2, it starts out and they're on some weird alien planet now because um, nobody's <laughs> really paying attention here. So anyway. <laughs> the score was it successful at conveying the genre uh the reason i'm still on the fence about it is because i'm i'm unclear a little bit on is this like is this a dramedy it seems to be a dramedy it's very funny at times it's supposed to be funny is he in a state of decay where he really is going to be losing his mind throughout the season like like that's kind of tragic um, so sure. I'm, it's but he a brings little, levity to it, I think. It, no, he brings a bunch of levity to it, but that comes back to, okay, this is fun. It's funny. I like it. Uh, but that would be a tragic thing. Is that our expectation? So I have very unclear expectations still. Hmm. I would, you know, I kind of want to say that I, I've got to say it wasn't totally successful at conveying the genre. To okay. Me. Well, I disagree, but that's totally fine. We don't have to give it the same score. But we do have to move on. We do, yeah. We're halfway through. We're we're at the thirty-five minute mark. Uh, and that was my shortest card. Okay. Dear Lord. Characters, but we did talk about a lot of characters already. We did, and you can't help but do so. Yeah, uh, Michael Dorman, who who plays John Tabner, our main mm-hmm. character, who really by the end I think he's great. I really like him. I really want to know more about him. He looks kind of like Macaulay Culkin. He looked so familiar to me, and I tried to look to see what else he's in, and I'm like, it's just the blue eyes and the pretty, you know. Yeah, well, Macaulay when, when adult men are blondes, they just sort of look <laughs> like that. Maybe that's it. Right. Uh, I wrote Intel, uh, blunt smoking. Oh, that one part where he inhales his. His uh, joint, joint, yeah, and burns himself and then laughs about it. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, disturbed from capture in Iran. Yeah, and he, um, so when he's undercover as a knock, um, his name is actually John Lakeman, not John Tabner. So Lakeman, Lakeman, Lakeman. Okay, 
I wrote it down. It's no, no, licking. no, you're right. I was, feel, I was feeling it. I was feeling <laughs> All it. All right. <laughs> okay. Terry O'Quinn, we talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. I thought he was maybe like the single brightest spot in the show. As Yeah, well, as, and he carried all of the show. exposition, but I feel like he did it in a very, in a way that was parsable for me. Like it was in a way that I didn't feel like, oh my God, you're just monologuing shit with me. Yeah. Um, and I especially liked it when, um, you know, he asked his brother or his son to kind of repeat it back. And he's like, money, Luxembourg, Iran. I got it. Keep this going. Daydream. And he says, you getting this? I'm getting all of it, dad. <laughs> yeah. Which goes to show you what a professional he is because he is spaced out. Like he's he he's having good. a hard time. Yeah. He's really having a hard time after his, you know, last mission in yeah, Iran. Absolutely. And that time that he accidentally killed that male hotel maid. <laughs> I mean, what even is that? <laughs> Never seen that before. <laughs> uh wait, wait a second, I'm reading a note here. Yeah. Well, we talked about when he's I wrote a note about when we beat him. When he's talking about his secret agent son, uh, the folk singer, which I don't know that I said this clearly enough, but when he he goes through the song the first time, mm-hmm. and we get the montage of you know in 2011, uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad was working on this. I had to kill the other guy. When he's singing the song and they're montaging it for us, I I just wished for more of that because I felt like we got so much story in there. It was so helpful and it was so unique. It was such a unique thing about the character, such a unique way to tell the story. It makes me wonder, and this is just totally me thinking out loud, uh, it makes me wonder if there was thought of doing more of that and and how somebody might say, ah, it's gratuitous, it's not like a musical, and how I wanted so much more of the folk singing Well, and he did it again in the nightclub with his brother. Um, mm-hmm. There was like an open night mic, or open mic night, and, um, you know, he's like, I hope that's what it said on the door. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> any requests? Okay, here's what I got. You know, and he starts singing one about his, he, he kind of leads about stabbing your brother, and there's probably a reason for that. Bra- or- and being Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, and he immediately starts venting what he just experienced. Yeah. And then his attaché. <laughs> Brother Edward. <laughs> Brother Edward. Uh, puts a stop to that. But but it doesn't, it didn't give us more story. It didn't tell us, like it didn't inform us. It told us about him and what mm-hmm. he was going through. And it, we, we used the trope of the, the uh, folk singing. But the folk singing was, in that one scene, was such a productive storytelling element it was so unique it was Definitely. so fun i hope it keeps coming back in this absolutely show. i do too i would imagine he brought his guitar along with him so i have a feeling that mm-hmm. we get more of it but yeah. you know this is all assumption at this point how about his wife alice tavner alice she was cute we get very little of her um we do get you know she misses him they apparently had a rough year last year um and she seems pretty close with the dad um like they keep in touch while john is out of town um, I thought it was especially charming when Alice and John have their reunion and, you know, he kind of sneaks up on her and she thankfully does not spill her hot coffee. Uh, <laughs> Hurl and, her steaming hot coffee. At yeah. Him. And they're upstairs, you know, they cut to upstairs and they're both having, you know, they're about to have sex. And then the ice cream truck parks outside with some very unsexy music and it just really takes them out of the moment. And then, you know, of course, the dad barges in doesn't knock is like oh sorry <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's a close family and he's a cool dad he's i didn't see nothing didn't see anything <laughs> didn't see anything and you just see his hand from around <laughs> him, which is how that would really look from their perspective which yeah. is funny thing about that 
Uh, yeah, we get very little of her. And, you know, in that moment that she's been waiting for him to return for three months, it's mm-hmm. it's it's very much, to me, it was very much like she was an army wife. That's, yeah, that's how I took She's it a devoted well. army wife, and, and this is tough, and it's a struggle. But uh, they're both, you know, in love and devoted to each other. And yeah. seem like, uh, you know, despite the, the stresses and frustrations of it all, it's not so much the marriage that's in jeopardy or each other's character that's in question. Sure. Yeah. Um, Edward Tavner. Okay, now let's really have some fun. <laughs> he was a blast. <laughs> Edward Tavern Tavner, uh, congressman, attaché. No, Mima did it. <laughs> she's like, what was it? She's a strong country woman. Oh, that's a, she's country strong. She's country strong. Yeah, that's what when it was. Uh, I think I wrote it down, uh, you did, and I was sad you didn't give the whole quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you, you missed know, the best part. When he says, absolutely, I did. Do it. Oh yeah, here it is. I didn't. I couldn't read what Mima said here. Uh, <laughs> when the dad's saying, Are "You sure it was my 92 year old mother did that?" and he totally knows that they were lying to him. Uh, Mima did it. She was country strong. <laughs> <laughs> and he's yeah, so great. flat. He's so deadpan. And he's so weird. Yeah. It just in general. I really enjoyed that Tom, the dad, um, like a- after the brother walks off, he just smiles to himself like, "Oh, that wasn't even a good lie." <laughs> He lies very poorly. It's very clear why the one brother is the attache and the other guy is in you the thick of it. You are not a good liar. That's why you are such a shitty congressman. <laughs> Man, a lot of zingers. You know, I feel like there's an appetite for it in the uh, social zeitgeist of the era. While we're on Edward, though, I really enjoy after he is told um, by his dad that he can be the attache, which I looked it up because I it drove me nuts. I didn't know what it was. It's the staff of the ambassador, which not a very impressive title, in my opinion. You're just staff no, 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 of the st- title's impressive. Attache. No, no, no. It sounds great. But like <laughs> the job itself is right. not glamorous. And so he's like, oh, do I get a badge? And the guy who's talking to, I don't think we get a name. He's like, I don't think they have badges. And he's like, what if I made one? <laughs> and later he's, oh, yeah, they make me wear this. <laughs> I have to wear it at all times. <laughs> and that one is such a, a bizarrely staged scene where he's with some guy who's. They're getting a shave together and discussing the job getting their faces massaged is that massaged i thought that they were getting the no i think they're getting barbered but they're going to the place where they're going to get the full treatment like they're getting pampered in the oh i've never had my face massaged before my beard was shaved so i don't know not really how it goes i guess is what i'm saying maybe in the beltway maybe that's a dc thing (laughs) but uh, that's not really how it goes usually there's one barber maybe some other one renting a chair from him and uh and then you're just like talking about sports and politics and whatever and guy stuff uh and then it's your turn right but the idea that they're being pampered it was just very weird the whole thing was very sure. very weird and he just sort of looks on dreamingly that uh i am the attache first of all it's pretty impressive i feel like to be a congressman i mean that's a pretty significant title to have absolutely and uh he seems not interested in it at all at all yeah i kind of wonder if he's set up if he's like a plant like like uh well, like they're an buying an man. election, so you know, not to t- spoil too much about the plot part that we haven't gotten gotten mm-hmm. into yet. But you know, the plan is to buy the election because there is, um, I guess, th- there is an Iranian um, election coming up. One guy wants to bomb Israel; the other guy does not. They want to buy the election so that the guy who doesn't want to bomb Israel wins. 
Yes, in all 30, what do they, how do they put it? All 30 provinces in Iran. He said, uh, we're going to spend lots of money in Iran across all 30 provinces. All right, we're getting into plot. So let's let's get detailed let's, in that momentarily. Yeah, let's, let's finish up our characters for sure. Uh, we don't have many more. So the brother's hilarious. We also learn that he has a son who he says... Ephraim? That, yeah, he says he's a, he's a Beltway brother. No, uh, uh, Beltway, I forget. It was like, they were Beltway brothers or Beltway buddies. That was it, Beltway was buddies. Like, so Washington, D.C., like Big Brother, Big Sisters program. Sure. Uh, where he fosters and enriches a boy's life. And that's really his son, but he's not allowed to be uh, father-son with him because he wasn't married to the mom, which seems like a really weird setup. Yeah, that is really weird. I had a very, I had a lot of confusion around that relationship and how it came to be. And it would just, it felt very indirect. I will say that's the part I felt least clear about. I did find it interesting. So Ephraim, the sweet little boy, his grandma was like, what little we do get of him. His grandma was telling him the story about basically Mary Poppins and saying how they jump off of the roof with their umbrellas. And so then he then takes she falls his, asleep. Yeah. Then she falls asleep reading and he goes upstairs and with, a, with the umbrella to the rooftop and you just see him looking down and I'm like, I I've seen Mary Poppins and it ends well for them. But like, I don't know how high up we are. I think we're about to see a little boy die. So of course I'm gasping like, Oh God. Uh, turns out he just breaks his feet and ankle, but like, you know, don't drop off of a building with an umbrella. It was really striking. I, that was a jarring scene. And it that was, was again where it goes to the mixed tone of the show. Yeah. And it was like, mm, that was really dark for nothing to have happened. And then we're on to the next scene where, uh, Edward is getting a phone call from the mom yelling at him saying he was supposed to be on a camping trip with you, you idiot. Then you cancel that and just drop him off with his grandma who falls asleep and he jumps off a building. He broke his feet and his ankles, which sounds super ridiculous. So they take this really horrific thing and just make nothingness out of it. Uh, I wonder if there's more to the story of why he's not really... Well, he's not allowed to be in the boy's life. I, I can't imagine it's. I just, imagine we get more of that. Well, I was wondering if it was a racial thing, and I sure. do, yeah, and I you know I hate to speculate on that. Um, yeah, Ephraim being a, at least half black kid. Yeah, uh, and it makes me wonder because he, he said, "Well, where I come from in Texas," because when he he sort of loosely communicates mm. to the kid, "I'm your dad." This is probably confusing for you that I'm your Beltway buddy, and your mom yells at me like I'm as if I were I don't know like your dad or something sometimes. And yeah. I'm wondering if there was a, a racial aspect of, of like, well, I got to go be congressman and I can't. Well, I mean, I think I the fact that he's a congressman and if you're a congressman, like th having the family values is important. So if it's, you know, you have a family with a woman, it's like kind of an Ill illegitimate a bastard child. Yeah. You know, you're not married to the mom. You don't know her very well. It was kind of like a, you know. Well, that's what they gave us. Yeah. And, and yet I look at it and I think, what is this? Like the 1820s? Like. Like, uh, politics is way uglier than that now. Is this as sleazy as it gets in this world? So it was more confusing to me than enlightening about sure, the character, which fair. makes me think it'll be an ongoing storyline that I, I hope has more depth to it. Because yeah, it is so. a family show, right? It is a... They're very strong on the father-son stuff. And even that right there was a father-son scene where, as my illegitimate son, I'm constantly a part of your life. Sure. Uh, and maybe that was the point. I don't know. It was super weird, though. It was. I will, I will definitely agree with you. 
So we got uh, Red Foreman and the other sleazy business guys <laughs> that are just sort of play uh, stereotypically sleazy business guys. Why are we flying Southwest? We're supposed to be flying Delta. Southwest was cheaper. Hotter girls on Delta. <laughs> I was like, all right, we know everything about these idiots we need to know. Oh, yeah. Well, and then when they talk about what happened with Stephen Chu. Stephen, right? Yeah. What happened um, to the Asian kid? Yeah. And they're like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, he was hit by a truck. Oh, it didn't look both. Guess he didn't look both ways. Ha, 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 ha. It was like, oh, man. That's oh, was that a joke? I heard him say, should have looked both ways. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. <laughs> it was just really messed up. Yeah. Well, then he goes to say, yeah, I went to visit him. Apparently, he's permanently lost his sense of humor. <laughs> Real shame. Talks like a six-year-old. Yeah. And we see Stephen Chu later. Who and he's comes, still intelligent. Just yeah. Well, yeah, and he says, I'm here to help with your... I don't want to do the voice, but yeah. He's, Please don't. He's, uh, <laughs> well, I'm doing an actor doing a voice, right? But he's doing... He's... He's... <laughs> when John's world is crumbling at the end because they realize the money was intercepted by the wrong people. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. Um... We see Steven again, and he's saying, yep, I'm going to come to work here. I can't really remember our conversation because I had a head injury. And the nurse is with him and says, again, ridiculous f- framing, right? This like mm-hmm. this. None of this is feels. It's very absurdist, a lot of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, yeah, Steven will get his full memory back if he just does his exercises. And it's like, oh, great. Steven's going to be squealing that that guy, John Lakeman, shoved me in front of a bus and stole my job. Yep. Uh, and that was terrible at it. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> um, we got to talk about Dennis McLaren. Just we got to give him a name. He's the one that he stole his pee and gets stabbed in the leg later. Yeah. After he does the, hey, I can help you do some secret agent stuff. You doing secret agent stuff? You yeah, can't tell because I was going to wear suits, to be, but I'm really ripped. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't realize that he was going to end up being in um, Luxembourg, Luxembourg with him. I, I had no idea he was going to be on the traveling group. So that was definitely an oversight, it seems, by John. Um, yeah, it was really awkward, and he was very excited to be a part of John's mission, and John, you know, not excited about that, stabs him in the leg and tells him, don't go to the hospital. More on that later. <laughs> uh, and the last one I would point out, who we don't get much of her, however, the one scene that she really gets was super cool with really her kid, good. which is Agatha Abanz, who's the Luxembourg detective. So apparently there's been no murders in Luxembourg in the last, at least since 2010 until this year when John comes in and kills everybody. And, um, and this time there are three homicides and she shows up and we see all three bodies in one spot. So it's like, okay, thank you. John is responsible for all three homicides that occurred in Luxembourg in 2013. (laughs) Did he actually just kill one brother though? Um, I don't know. We I only remember seeing the one, but yeah. uh, I, it, it makes I it seem like he kills three people. Mm-hmm. But I think in, in reality, maybe there was two, just the one? two homicides. I don't know, but okay. I, there, maybe there was two uh, real homicides. Sure. Do you know what year the show came out? Yeah, I looked it up. It was 2015. Okay, so it's three years after 2012. So there actually is a historical fiction aspect to it. So yeah. maybe two other murder. Oh, maybe he hasn't killed two other people yet. Because <laughs> 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 he's got to go back to Luxembourg next week. Um. And oh yeah, so Agatha Abans is the Luxembourg uh, detective who's brought to the case. Uh, she's a beautiful blonde who gets a dramatic entrance, but we also find out that she's a uh, good mother. Oh yeah, very good. Very. She has the most eloquent explanation of murder. Murder. That was. It was very kid friendly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that you could make murder kid friendly, but like, sure can. Turns out, just need the right woman, Agatha. 
<laughs> I would expect a woman with the name of Agatha would be the one who delivers that news. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agatha. Somebody named Agatha, she knows how to drop some truth bombs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, and again, here we are with the with the family theme, where family is, is hallmark in this pilot, mm-hmm. and uh, always well written, I feel. I agree. It was very affectionately written. So I would say that wraps up the characters. Yeah, pass or fail on those. I think this was the strongest point in the show because every character I want to know more about, actually. Definitely. And I I love to see the relationships between everybody because everybody who's supposed to love each other seems like they do. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really nice to see. Absolutely. And his wife, the dad and sons, really cool. Yeah, they seem pretty tight-knit. So on to plot then. On to plot then. Why don't you take it away? All right, well, um, we... I already know that he, John is a knock, um, you know, so he is kind of an implant in um, the piping industry. McMillan piping? (laughs) McMillan piping. He's a process server? Uh, No, that's a different thing. He's a process engineer. (laughs) (laughs) A process server is the one you just got served. Okay. <laughs> I think he could Sorry, do that. Sorry, me. I've never been. Su- I haven't been sued yet. Okay. Nor have I. I've just watched a lot of TV. Come on, it's what we're here for. Um. Anyway, so, um, basically, what I'm getting from him is that we can expect. I guess the plot we could expect is that he is going to be fixing the fuck ups from this episode because there are a plenty of them, starting with um. Well, you know, the money he was supposed to be taking to buy the election um, was handed off to the wrong person. Now, whether that was because he handed it off to the wrong person or he was informed to hand it off to the wrong person. Because he was threatened. Cleric. Oh, okay. Right. Is that what you're saying? Because I wasn't sure. I thought, did he specifically hand it to the wrong guy because he was threatened? I don't think he was threatened in that part. You know the threat I'm talking about, right? When he gets the letter from the five Brazilian brothers that says the price for us not reporting this to the detective that just called. Gotcha. Is you give us giving us the money back? Okay. Um, I thought he gave it to a different individual, but perhaps sure. I'm mistaken. Yes. Um, I interrupted your flow, though. I'm sorry. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> okay. Never goes back the other way. Never. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we are... Um, we're just kind of following like a slew of his fuck ups, which in his song we hear, you know, this wasn't the first time there's been a lot of fuck ups in his missions. You know, he accidentally shot a male uh, hotel maid, you know, who was that. just cleaning the room. Yeah. So you never see that. You never see that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's I believe that we're going to continue watching him kind of fuck up and then kind of try to fix it because that's what what's going on um the overarching deal though is that they're trying to buy an election for the guy who is not trying to bomb israel because the other guy of course wants to bomb israel the pro-israel candidate so we're going for the pro-israel candidate and this money that was lost um was supposed to be the money to buy off you know buy the election and the very last scene uh he's oh and he's in hot water deep shit with uh, McMillan piping because he keeps parking in Red Foreman's parking spot. Also, he was 40 minutes late to the very important meeting that they had in Luxembourg. Because he was fighting five men. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he was in a jiu-jitsu match uh, yeah. right, be- right before his uh, folk music sing-along. Yeah. Open mic. Uh, he's on the phone with his dad. Everything it was a disaster. Really, the whole thing was a disaster. Whole thing. The 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 mission was messy. 
it was a failure because the money was intercepted. Um, he, he's probably going to lose the job that he, he needs because that's his knock to get him to Luxembourg, to have a reason, a civilian reason, a totally benign civilian reason to go to Luxembourg. Uh, and Red Foreman tells him, son, <laughs> in typical Red Foreman style, uh, in typical Kurtwood Smith style, I'm not sure you're going to be on the traveling team. I'm not sure you're going to be, basically, I'm not sure you're going to continue to work here for very long. Yeah. You brought nothing to the table, and your performance was just the worst. Uh, and he says, as as Stephen Chu shows up and says, I'm going to get my memory back uh, as the... And secure- I'm going to help you with your stuff because mm-hmm. you're bad at it. It's the disgrace. Because you sucks. <laughs> right. Yeah, I heard that your process stuff is terrible. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, does he like look at his nurse too and say, was that right? And she's like, yeah, very yeah, good, very Stephen. good. <laughs> uh, the disgraced cop who's now the McAllister. McCall- McMillan. What's the... Um, he's now a security guard he's at now, McMillan. No, no, no. But yeah, McMillan. Okay, that's the company. His name is Jack Birdbath. Birdbath. Bird, it is Birdbath. Yeah. Okay. So he passes him a note that says, my name is stupid, but I am not. Um, Signed Jack Birdbath. Yeah. And it's a small scene, but like when when uh, John was getting Dennis to pee for him, um, Jack Birdbath was in the bathroom um and you know he has this really odd it's a very odd scene in the bathroom he literally walks behind him drops his baton picks it up and says i was just pooping you know basically and it was like oh okay just taking a shit yeah which i mean to me was like oh so he's i mean he's done now men seem to take a long time to poop so we probably overheard it but i you know i wasn't sure that that was the case and then we get this note you know my name may be stupid but i am not signed jack birdbath picture of a bird um we know that he's kind of holding that information hostage now what he's going to do with it i don't know perhaps that is our hook well we just can't we get hit with four things just back oh, yeah. to back like it all is, all is coming just he's getting piled in on this uh he finds out he's not going to be going back to luxembourg finds out from his dad we need you to go back to luxembourg mm-hmm. finds out that steven Chu's going to remember that he tried to murder him Yep. Uh, finds out that Jack Birdbath is going to be exploiting this information somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of it all, he keeps parking in Red Foreman's parking spot. Oh, there is one other fuck up issue, which is that um, Agatha, Detective Agatha, actually has traced the problem back to the murders back to Milwaukee in America. So, you know, there's one other thing that he's kind of fucked up. Now he's got a, a Luxembourg detective um, who is trying to research that, you know, investigate this. And I would say that that's a complicated plot. It is. That, based on our retelling of it, seems pretty clear. It does, yeah. Upon review. There's a lot And intriguing. It's a lot of intrigue. It's very intriguing. There's a lot to pack in. Um, And it is one of those things where I literally, my mechanical pencil was, you know, shooting out lead, and so I dropped it during a montage, and I was like, shoot. I knew I missed a bunch of important things in 10 seconds. So it's one of those you really have to pay attention. Um, and any fault of the plot, I think, is really a fault of my own. Just not being able to pay good enough attention. Because, you know, you have note-taking and mechanical pencils that are going awry. But is that not... See, that's what's that's what's tough about this. Mm-hmm. As a pilot, does it function to establish everything you need to know? 
to want to come back for the next episode. I think it does. I mean, especially plot-wise, I, I believe I know the several things that he is going to be at odds with and what he is going to be trying to remedy. And I see <laughs> the deck of cards he's working with, which is, you know. Yeah, no disagreement there. But sure. But upon, you know, reviewing it, like we we read to make sure, knowing that we obviously missed a couple things. Mm-hmm. It is layered. It is. It's complicated. It's a, a genre all to its own. Mm-hmm. It lives in this sort of absurdist, you know, just directly parallel reality. Um, and if it takes that much discussion and that much, you know, review to to realize, okay, I'm clear on this, that's, that's a... It's not a position that I think a pilot wants to be in. Not a strong position. I would say the plot um, was probably the weakest point of it. I feel like the genre and the characters were pretty strong. I do feel like I needed extra help on the plot. Um, you know, when he goes into the guy who is the, uh, I don't know, the parking guy, the parking meter guy. Hits him over the head with the... Hits him over the head with a pallet. I'm like, why are we doing that? And then the guy runs, you know, rides off with a motorcycle and he throws his fists in the air. And he's like, okay, he got away with something. Did I miss something during that 10 seconds that I was looking for that stupid piece of lead during the montage? And this is like (laughs) the TSA guy who sees the money as it's going as it's coming because he thought he was going to be pri- flying private and they said no no we only pl- fly private to luxembourg if it's uh if there's a multi-leg trip if it's a direct shot we take we go commercial so you see it in his eyes like oh shit like the whole thing's already coming off the rails yeah uh the tsa guy who checks the bags sees the money steals the money um rides off with it in his motorcycle bumps into john like Sheer coincidence that he bumps into John, uh, who then goes and beats the guy over the head, who's the security guy, to get the information that has the names so that he could figure out who took the money. Right. And it was really weird. Like, I I absolutely needed to look up the summary and I just I could not figure out why we had done that. So I don't know if it was truly something I'd missed during the montage or, you know, if it was just some weak plot. It was weak. And, and I don't know if it was the plot was weak, but the setup for it was pretty sure, weak. Sure, the way it was told. There was a lot of things you just had to sort of accept. And we even had to go back. We're like, I don't know what the motorcycle thing is. And go back and realize, okay, it's this guy. Because it was like these incomplete ideas mm-hmm. that you just had to accept that these incomplete ideas took you to the place that you needed to go. And I a little bit wonder if, because you remember I, I said that the uh, what was in the bag, which we realize is money, but I, I mistakenly referred to it as a MacGuffin. Because yeah. it felt like it just wasn't really about what was in the bag. The bag's just taking us to where we want to go. So it's not a MacGuffin because we know what it is and it is the plot. But, and but it's, it's very MacGuffin-y. important. It's and MacGuffin-y because, it's, because that, that moving bag is really about making a bunch of problems for John. Yeah, I mean... It is kind of the thing that the plot moves around. So I don't know that it's necessarily a MacGuffin. I think that that's not... Um, no, I term. said it wasn't appropriate. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it is kind of it's, means to drive them forward. So it's... It's macguffin to me because it's not about the bag and it's not about the money. It's about what that does to the character. Sure. And where that puts him. So there's certain things that happened with it that I thought made really... We had to accept things that were kind of difficult to accept in the plotting mm-hmm. in order to get where, in order to tell the story that they want to tell for us sure. or tell us. Um, and then I guess it comes back to, yeah, is that really what the show's about? Cause I think the show's about family 
uh, serving and how that's affecting a guy and how that's going to be affecting the people around him. So I don't maybe it's not that important. I mean, it it is important. It's the money that will buy the election. (laughs) (laughs) So it is actually pivotal to the whole thing and driving the plot forward. Maybe it's not important. I'm not talking about the money. Maybe it's not important that I didn't understand exactly how one led to the other. Oh, I see. Maybe it's okay. not important that he hits the guy over the head and gets the information that leads to where, do you, where does he live. Mm-hmm. Maybe the point is, well, he's got to get to where he lives. Okay. Because we need to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And the story is not the plot. The story is the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the case, I could get behind it. Be- I see that. Because, the, because there was so much intrigue for me with the characters, and even on an international level, there's a lot of intrigue with... The story itself with the the anti-Israel candidate, uh, the the bad intelligence. Like I have got to imagine that bad intelligence uh, hampers a job like this in real life all the time. Oh, yeah. I that shit so. happens. So so that's all very interesting. And I guess how exactly we find out where the guy lives wasn't that interesting. You know, that's a different story. That's we're at Ron's office and he's working with Chloe with CTU from, you know, Jack Bauer's personal assistant. And uh, and this is how those things are sourced. And that's not what we, we want to see. We want to see the way it affects John, the folk singer, stoner, secret agent. Oh, yes. So uh, where I hedged on giving a pass, a pass to genre, I would say that that the plot for the show to come, even though the plot of the pilot was blurry at times, the plot, the overarching plot that we're expecting for the rest of the show, which mm-hmm. is what we score here on Pilots <laughs> the Podcast, which you can find at pilotsthepodcast.com. <laughs> it seems you may have already found it, but in case you get lost. <laughs> <laughs> or found it by some other means on what's that one that doesn't get any play? <laughs> Spreaker. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, nobody knows what we're talking about because uh, nobody listens to Spreaker. So <laughs> Anyway, uh, the overarching plot that we can expect, I felt like it was pretty clear. In those last couple of moments of everything is hitting him at once and it's all a disaster and, oh, wait, I still have to get back to Luxembourg, which means I have to get back into the good graces of these guys or I got to kill another person in order to get invited back on the travel team to go to Luxembourg because they're so so short-staffed, which would make any sense because he was terrible on this. Yeah. On this team outing. That's pretty intriguing. Like, I want to know what... I want to know what's going to hit him next, which therein lies the hook. Absolutely. I think so. And I feel like it's a very effective hook. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that plot was its weakest point. I think it did well in all of its other categories. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be bugging my boyfriend, Taylor, to see if this might be our next show. Wait a second, though. You think plot was the weakest point. You think the 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 way they conveyed it. Yeah. Of the pilot Mm -hmm. was the setup for the plot. Of the show to come seemed pretty clear though right it was it was very clear it was just the weakest it was the thing that i found least interesting i guess because it was too technical it was too i needed to understand what's going on with government stuff and that's kind of the reason why when i heard the name patriot my brain shut off and i was like "Mm, nope nope i don't want to do that but then you know i gave the trailer a chance and i'm like okay it's supposed to be funny so maybe that's not going to be the focus and maybe i i don't really need to pay too much attention to that that maybe that's just going to be you know what puts our people in these situations but not going to be the thing i really need to focus on which is totally fine and i'm good with that so i've never been a great big fan of the transformers film series 
I've never been that big of a fan. Sure. And the first one, you know, was its own thing. I enjoyed it. The second one was pretty much the same thing as the first one, but I didn't think it was as good, so I didn't enjoy it. The third one I fell asleep through most of, woke up, realized I didn't miss anything because I, you know, it was the same thing as the other two, and I stopped paying attention after that. Well, and Megan Fox stopped singing them, so, you know. Yeah, she never, you know, I, Megan Fox, you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there was two pieces to Transformers. Okay. One of them intrigued me mm-hmm. that I loved and I wanted more of it. And the other one I didn't give a shit about at all. Okay. Uh, the one piece, uh, one of the two pieces was the characters. It was the coming of age story. The American mm-hmm. Pie story where he's the sort of beleaguered, bully, bullied kid who could stand his own because he was witty, but he was getting his ass kicked by the jocks all the time. Remember the scene where, maybe you don't, no, <laughs> the don't scene remember. where... Uh, where the football players, as they're pushing him around, says, hey, didn't you uh, try out to be on the team once? He goes, oh. And they cut to him getting knocked around. <laughs> that sounds all over the field. Yeah. And he goes, no. He said, I was just uh, doing a report. I was uh, writing a report on the link between uh, playing football and brain damage. And That's hilarious. He was trying out. He was a miserable failure. It was a total flop. Because of his wit, he spun it later. And I like, got the last laugh in that moment. Uh, and then, of course, becomes a hero at the end. Of his, course. He, you got his horny alcoholic mom who's hilarious and the dad who those mom and dad are always a duo. Uh, the second movie, you know, he's going to college. Uh, he's got this. this so uh, it's his personal story that you're more interested in, not the actual Transformer piece. Yeah. So there's two parts of it. The coming of age story, which I mm-hmm. loved. Uh and because even in the third movie, he's starting his career. You know, it's like he's trying to get a job. He's mm-hmm. like, don't you have a Medal of Honor guy? Like, I'm going to have a, a medal winner from Saving the World. Sure. And then there's the Transformers part. No interest in the Transformers part. But I love the character pieces. Yeah. In this one, I'm interested in the plot. I'd like to see how this comes together. I would like to see it become more clear. I would like to see that it's nuanced and I'm just not realizing it yet. Uh, but I'm just not that interested. I mean, I am, but I'm not. That's not what really is grabbing my attention. Sure. What's grabbing my attention is folk singing the goofy attache brother like the wife i would really like to see i would like to know that everything works out for him uh i'd like to make sure that that the dad keeps his both of his sons by the end of this like that's what i care about (laughs) and i care and you know by the end of it i i really cared a lot about that like it's enough for me to want to know okay what happens and i hope this is give it a few episodes and it's really going to be a winner definitely Right now, it's sort of a soft pass, but I'd pass it. Huh. I, I don't know that it would be soft for me. So I'm happy that we don't have to agree on a score because we could be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you fight mean because you had siblings. Oh, my God. I do fight mean, but not here. Man, you don't even know me fighting mean. <laughs> and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. That was one that I had no idea existed, actually. Yeah, same. So thank you to Jeremy F. Thanks, Jeremy. Jeremy F. And, you know, if you do want to recommend a show, please go to pilotsthepodcast.com and go to, you know, either the Contact Us page and send us an email through there or pilotsthepodcast at gmail.com or on any of our social media, um, which can also be found on our website. So Except for Spreaker. No, I guess <laughs> that's not social media. media. <laughs> <laughs> that's a podcast platform. platform yeah. Um, anyway, so. Hey, and if you'd like to write us some hate mail, <laughs> <laughs> I guess nice stuff too. 
I guess we'll take nice stuff too. You know, I would actually really like to answer any questions you guys might have, you know, on our show. So if you do have one, I am happy to entertain that on the show. I hopefully I'm not, you know, opening a bad can of worms there. We're committing. What I just realized is since you're the one who's going to receive all the mail Mm -hmm. and you get to decide which hate mail gets read and which ones don't, I'm Uh not sure I want any hate mail. No, you're getting all of them. <laughs> if I'm crying, you're crying with me. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just afraid it might be all the ones that make me look like a jerk, but I don't know. Maybe I did that to myself. I mean, I'm sorry. You're the one who hated <laughs> Friends. Like, if somebody should get hay mail, it's you, man. Somebody needs to speak up about what a mediocre show Friends is, and nobody does because everybody loves it so much. So if you say... Friends is an incredibly mediocre, totally overrated show. It's always going to come up about what an idiot you are and how like you don't belong in polite American culture. Well, as long as you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's all we got for this episode. Um, Next week, we actually do have homework or independent milestones. If you prefer, we will be covering the chilling adventures of Sabrina just before they release their fourth and final season heartbreaking it's the final season I know. Uh, chilling adventures of sabrina which you can find on netflix absolutely i don't know if you can find it anywhere else but no it's a netflix original it netflix. <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you guys so much for listening thanks for coming i'm Riker. i'm shmi and this is pilot